You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me are my guys Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. And uh, the regular season's over. Georgia's 11-1 for the third straight year. Beat Georgia Tech in Atlanta for the 10th straight time. 52-7, largest margin of victory for Georgia in series history. And we're going to have a little bit on that. We're going to jump right into the SEC championship game. We're going to talk about the opening line. We're going to talk about some of the players Georgia's going to be missing in this game. Uh, George Pickens for the first half, Lawrence Cager for the entire game and likely the rest of the season and and how Georgia's going to make up for that. And uh, we're going to get into that in just a second. But first of all, I want to tell everybody something we've got coming tomorrow at Dogs 24-7, Cyber Monday special. You get your first month if you sign up over at Dogs 24-7 tomorrow. Now, this is the, we're, we're saying this on Sunday night. This this comes into effect tomorrow. You get your first month for a dollar, or the big deal, you can get seventy five percent off an annual membership at Dogs Twenty Four Seven. That means a full year for seventy five percent off of what the what the price normally would be. You're looking roughly in the neighborhood of what thirty five bucks there for to to be a member of Dogs Twenty Four Seven for an entire year. Great deal. Love to have you guys come check us out. We're going to have tons of news this week on this game. We're going to have tons coming up over the next year. Early signing period, uh, regular National Signing Day, tons going on. But I uh, just wanted to throw that out there real quick. And uh, now let's jump into the Georgia Tech game real quick. And let's talk about this game. Just brush over it real quickly. I think every, it, what happened was what everybody expected to happen. But Rusty, one quick thought from the Georgia Tech game. Take it away. Just manhandled uh, once the you know they got through the initial couple plays and give Georgia Tech credit you know the onside kick um, you know putting a helmet on the ball against DeAndre Swift in the first half coughing up a fumble Georgia Tech did everything they could to stay in that game but you know it was it was a one sided affair at the end of the at the end of the day Georgia didn't start great uh, Jake Fromm didn't start great. Uh, some things finished off, you know, with George Pickens coming in. We'll, I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, the incident with him. But, you know, Georgia got clicking. And I think the bigger picture from what everybody's going to be concerned, you cannot start again like that next week or you'll be down 17 to nothing uh, instead of up 17 to nothing. So Georgia handled business. They should. Uh, those are two totally different rosters. Um, Jake, you were there. But from what I saw on TV, impressive, impressive amount of Georgia fans uh, in that stadium, and all in all, seems to be you know what we're hearing with DeAndre Swift seemed to be pretty healthy. Uh, everybody's going to have some 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 banged up nicks and things like that at the end of the year, but uh, Georgia went in and handled business, and I think the, the outcome was was pretty much expected. Absolutely, and Georgia fans they took over Bobby Dodd again, and that's what happens when you've won fourteen out of fifteen over the last thirty years in that stadium and the only loss was a Jasper Sanks quote unquote fumble that wasn't a fumble that if there was instant replay Georgia wins that game probably so uh you know Georgia has dominated in Atlanta 
I mean, it, it's it's crazy to think about. If not for that Jasper Saints game in 1999, Georgia would have 15 straight on Grant Field against Georgia Tech, and 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 basically a 30 year run of never losing in Atlanta against their in-state rival. That's that's just wild to me. Uh, Kip, what was your uh, what was your number one takeaway from the game? And the main thing for me was I, it just kind of caught me off guard just looking at the, the the talent difference obviously when you're changing your you know the the scheme that you're running offensively you're going to go through this I mean I you know it's definitely not what Paul Johnson ran there but you know that team had always given Georgia a good fight and it was always a competitive game I mean I'll you know you'll have a, a blowout every you know now and then but the this just seeing Georgia Tech's offense out there and just them not being able to to you know get first downs on a consistent basis at all. I mean, uh, having that many punts and a twelve three and outs, only four first downs the whole game, and that that you know that that kind of just it it did kind of surprise me. I mean, oh, thirteen punts uh, that that was incredible. So just seeing that major talent difference in the game, and the one thing that kind of caught my eye, and I want to ask you guys this because. I can't say I've watched a ton of Georgia Tech football this year, but it really seemed to me that Georgia Tech was running a ton of empty backfield sets in this game. And, I mean, talk about catching a break. In previous years, you know, Georgia's playing Georgia Tech, you know, before an SEC championship game. You know, they'd be out there having to scheme against all week and, and play against, you know, an option offense. And now... I mean, they, they, they were able to go out there and defend what, for me, looks very similar to what LSU runs. I can't think of a team I've seen this year that runs empty backfield sets as much as LSU does off on offense. And it's, it's just kind of striking to me that, you know, Jeff Collins, that, that's, those are the plays that he called. It's almost like he just gave Kirby Smart, you know, he did him a solid and that's that's the one thing I took away from that game was that Georgia basically got kind of a now granted it's not the same look as far as the talent like I said but they schematically they they just got you know a warm up for what they're going to see next weekend in the SEC championship game so I want to get you guys take is if you guys saw the same thing from a I mean, preparation, yeah. go ahead Jake. Yeah, we definitely saw some empty backfield. Uh, you know, think that you know, obviously Georgia Tech did some three back stuff that that Georgia's not going to see against LSU. But but yeah, I mean the empty backfield stuff and and maybe you know some of the same blitzes, some of the same looks, some of the same things that you may have stumbled into against Georgia Tech might might kind of give you a little bit of a look or something you can work off of against LSU. I think. It's a great point by Jay and by Kip, but you know the preparation factor is something that Georgia uh, uh, caught a break with as well because uh, you know what they had to do all year. The couple periods they said they spent every week, but I know the week before they played Georgia Tech, they would always take a scout team offense, and they would have to work with those guys, uh, basically pull them out of preparations for other teams, and they would work with them to have them ready to go the next week. So. There was a lot of time invested in playing someone like Georgia Tech in that offense. 
Uh, obviously, Kirby Smart and them had it down the last couple of results uh, versus them, but there was a lot that went into def- to uh, defending the triple uh, that Paul Johnson had at Georgia Tech. So there, the biggest thing, too, as well, is is just time because Georgia sees what Georgia Tech ran yesterday You know, pretty much every single week in some fashion or form. But the triple was so unique, and it was so much to prepare for. So time-wise was another huge deal in not facing that offense, as well as your defensive lineman getting cut all day, you know, seven days before you play in Alabama and LSU or in Auburn. Yeah, that's the big thing, Rusty, for me is is the the cut block and the physical style of it, the kind of having to switch gears. Preparing for it is one thing. You should be able to out-talent them at the end of the day, but now you don't have to completely switch gears and – you know, flush all of that and get ready for an SEC championship game. There's a little bit more carryover there. Maybe even if there's any, it's more than they had in the past, which which should be there. My biggest takeaway is the fact that first quarter, you know, outside the first drive, a uh, couple drives, and and the second half was how Georgia's supposed to look against inferior opponents, and we haven't seen that of late. You know, we I think we all thought Georgia would jump on Kentucky. It was the rain game. Thought Georgia would jump on Missouri. Didn't do it. Just didn't play well enough to do it. Uh, thought Georgia might jump on Texas A&M and click a little bit offensively and didn't do it. And I know Georgia Tech's nowhere near as good as those teams are. But Georgia did finally click and do some things offensively that you've wanted them to do. They looked, uh, they looked confident a little bit on offense finally. And, and I think all of those things are, I mean, you don't want to see it be the other way. You don't want to see them struggle. And, and I thought that finally you saw Georgia look like the confident offense that it can be. And, and whether or not it shows up this week against LSU remains to be seen. I'm not sure if you can really take anything away from it. But that's how Georgia's supposed to look against Georgia Tech. I mean, for all intents and purposes, Georgia should have had 35 points in the third quarter. Because if not for DeAndre Swift fumble at the four yard line, uh, Georgia does have 35 points in the in, in the third quarter, and and uh, you know those were all things to me that 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 kind of stood out. Let's jump into this LSU game here real quick, and we're going to talk about the opening line. Uh, Westgate uh, Superbook has Georgia uh, as a, as a six point underdog. Okay, it's kind of hung around there as a six point point underdog. And uh, Rusty, gonna throw it to you first. What's your thoughts on that opening line? A little high, a little low, right, right around where you expected it. A little high, you know. I kind of thought three or four. Um, you know, six is for a game like this. You know, traditionally a little bit higher, but it'd be interesting which way it goes. I think the Florida game opened at six and got down to three, and then it came back up to six. If I'm correct. Um, in, in favor of Georgia uh, as the week went on. But, I, I, you know, lines are created to get action on both sides. And I think that's what people um, don't put into um, thought about that. They're trying to entice enough on both sides uh, to play this game, uh, gambler. So six seems a little high to me. Uh, I don't know what the point total. Kip, you know what the point total is? Uh, is there is there a point total yet uh, for the game? I think that's what would be interesting to me uh, to see what they think uh, LSU and Georgia uh, can, can score together. 
that would uh, be, Rusty, I think it's right around 56 points. That's, you know, that interests me. Can Georgia hold LSU uh, enough to keep that thing under? But six to me sounds a tad bit high. I was thinking more four, uh, three or four, but we'll see what the line does the rest of this week. Kip, what about you? What, what are kind of your thoughts on that line and, and you know, being at six points and uh, Georgia being a six-point dog? I, I think the, you know, the perception is pretty clear that even with this last game, you know, of them eclipsing the 50-point mark, Georgia's offense is is not thought of as being in the realm of LSU's. And so, I mean, you, you just look at Jake Fromm, you know, the first eight games and then the last four games. Just he it seems like he's hitting on the more difficult throws better than he's hitting, you know, the, the short and intermediate stuff. The stuff that he was known for, you know, the first two and a half seasons of, of his career seems to be what he's struggling with now. I mean, you look at the throws that, it, that he made, that throw to Tyler Simmons in the game, uh, you know, it's just not changing the perception that he's going to be able to lead an offense in a shootout. It just has never been, you know, his game. So I think Vegas is kind of just saying, listen, I think that we respect Georgia's defense a lot. I don't expect LSU to hit their season average as far as scoring, but we're not sure if if Georgia can get over, you know, 24 or get to 30 points. So, I mean, it makes sense. It's a good spot to start and see uh, where the money goes. And I, I think that overall, if, if you're saying Georgia's coming in less than a, than a touchdown underdog, I, I mean, I think most people would not be offended by that just based on the eye test that we've seen throughout this season from both teams. You know, I, I kind of tend to go with more of the, just the perception and the things that are being said. That's my realm. That's kind of where I operate. And I felt like it was a little low. I, I, I thought that this, you know, last year, Georgia was a 12 point dog to, to Alabama in the SEC championship game. I know Alabama had a much more talented defense front to back than than LSU does, and uh, and Georgia's defense not as good as it, it last year as it is this year, but I, I thought it would be more in the eight to ten point range. Um, didn't think it would be as high as it was last year when Alabama came in as those twelve point favorites, but I I really thought that that ultimately Georgia struggles on offense and all the talk about that and all the love that LSU's been getting, even though the committee bumped them down to number two because of the the, the defense thing, which I really can't understand because LSU's had a lot of points scored on them late uh, in, in some blowouts. But, you know, I, I really just didn't understand, uh, you know, a lot of that. And and I, I thought that, that ultimately Georgia would, would be a little bit, you know, further down uh, than than they are. And, and that's just kind of, you know, it, it kind of surprised me a little bit. It really surprised me a couple weeks ago when the offshore folks – had it at like a three and a half point spread, and then you know after what we've seen the last couple of weeks, Georgia's still only a six point dog, and and I think that's a big thing uh, to to kind of mean for me to 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 for it to be just six points just kind of threw me off a little bit. I think there's something to be said about one where the game's going to be played, uh, the fact that Georgia has been there before. 
they've been in this game. I mean, especially this current team, Jake Fromm, this coaching staff, this is their third straight trip here, this setting. You know, LSU, Ed Ogeron, you know, this crew, they haven't played in this game. And, and so you have that experience factor, and then at the same time, the, the coaching experience factor with Kirby's coached in this game before. You know, he, he knows what to expect. And, and this team knows what to expect. I mean, this is these guys ha, have played in this game. They've played again beyond this game in the college football playoff. And so with LSU, you still have that you know that little unknown of maybe there's going to be a letdown in the big game. I mean, there's so much pressure on them to get over that hump and, and the hump that everyone, <laughs> every program has, is, is getting past Alabama, and, and they did that. And, but yet, can they can they can they do it again? And there's still that question mark involved. I th- I think there's there's something to be said about that. And I think that maybe Vegas is putting a a premium on that. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, you could make the case that Georgia has fielded the best defense in the country this season. And so when you look at that, it is that you know that unstoppable force versus the immovable object. It's the some people think that that defense might play a counter role to to that offense and that when you're in the second half of this game, that that experience might be the difference in such a game. And I mean, Georgia's team has always been able to to handle the adversity and you you see it on on this roster. These are players that the moment has never been too big for them and they've never really let it get to them. And I mean, you even see it from the player interviews after the Georgia Tech game, you know, with what happened to George Pickens. You, you see that accountability uh, becoming apparent between Brian Herrian and Tyler Simmons. These are guys that that know this is their last trip. This is their last chance to, to, to get to the mountaintop. And I, I think that when you look at that, I mean, they're six points it's it's almost a touchdown and, and it might be pretty fair i mean lsu has been picked as this un, you know this monster that can't be stopped and it might be true uh but this is a battle-tested georgia team that still has plenty of talent and at least on one side of the ball has established itself as being a a dominant presence on the football field yeah, that's a good point, uh, especially on the location and the experience in this game. And Jake Fromm's played well in this game uh, at times, and, and especially against uh, Auburn a couple years ago and last year against Alabama. I mean, over 300 yards, three touchdowns, came up just short probably. If DeAndre Walker doesn't go in that game, Georgia wins that game as a 12-point underdog. Well, we're going to jump into a break here real quick. Before I do that, I want to remind you guys once again, Cyber Monday – 75% off an annual membership to Dogs 24-7. I did the math on it real quick while we were doing the show. That's less than 30 bucks for an annual membership to Dogs 24-7, less than $3 a month to get VIP chats, to get access to the message boards, to get uh, uh, X's and O's breakdowns, the famous dog treats where you get all the recruiting information you could ask for, uh, access to us through direct message or the or the message board itself so that we can answer any and all questions you have. Great deal. Great time to sign up. CBS All Access once you become a member of the site full time. It's, uh, it's a really, really cool uh, setup and we'd love to have you. But let's jump into a break here real quick. And on the other side, we're going to talk about how Georgia can get its offense going despite the fact that it's going to be missing some big time weapons on the outside. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, Lawrence Cager's out for the season, uh, almost certainly out for the season. Uh, Kirby Smart said it would be very doubtful that he'd be able to return at any point. George Pickens was suspended for the first half of the Georgia Tech game, comes into the third quarter. On a touchdown pass that's thrown to Dominic Blaylock on the other side of the field, he throws two punches in a little skirmish with a, uh, with, with a Georgia Tech defensive back, got himself booted from the game, and now he's kicked out for the first two quarters of, ne- of, of the SEC championship game. Rusty, how does Georgia deal with that? I mean, look, we could talk the rest of the show about that, but that doesn't help Georgia at all. I mean, obviously with Cager out and Pickens, probably the next guy that could step in there and be that, uh, you know, big threat and somebody that Jake Fromm is, is getting more targets. You can see yesterday when he was in the game, immediately he started getting targets. Um you know, he's a special player. He's a young kid, made a mistake, uh, obviously got suspended in the first half. So, that, you know, not going to sugarcoat it. There's some things that he needs to clean up off the field, obviously. And you got to control your temper in a situation like that. But what it does to George in the first half, you know, I thought a lot about it today. Um, you, you know, Georgia is, is wanting to run the ball, I'm, I'm sure, against LSU. But you've got to give them some kind of threat on the outside. Tyler Simmons is the one guy that I think, you know, we all know Tyler Simmons. We all covered him in recruiting. His body, his speed, you know, he's a 200, probably, he's probably 215, 210 when you see him. Uh, legit 10, uh, 600 guy. He just hasn't had that translate as well to the field, but he is starting to make a couple of plays. He's made two big plays two weeks in a row. Balls that usually probably went to Cager, probably would have went to. Uh, George Pickens, those back shoulder 50-50 throws. So you look at that, and that gives you a little bit of promise. But Georgia, uh, you know, as we talk about this game more uh, as the week goes on, I'm not going to say Georgia needs to survive the first quarter. Georgia needs to be careful and not get themselves way behind because we all know playing behind for Georgia right now would not be to their advantage the way the offense is going the way it has been going. Uh, they need to control the narrative like they do with their defense. But, you know, having George Pickens out for the first half is a big, big blow. And I'm sure we'll talk about that the rest of the week because LSU would definitely have to have to account for him. And uh, I tell you, man, that, that's, a, that's a big deal uh, as we get moving forward, you know, the rest of the week and getting in to make a decision. To, that's a big deal to me. Kip, what are your thoughts on it, man? Well, first off, uh, this the one little ray of sunshine. I, I thought Tyler Simmons had his best game of the year. I mean, just as far as just making the plays when they needed him to, you know, it's been a point that everyone's kind of been watching. When the ball went his way, you know, great things were not happening. But five touches for 74 yards and a touchdown. I mean, again, we know it was Georgia Tech. But listen, you got to start somewhere. 
it's a good time for him to to have a good game because they're definitely going to need it. But for me, I mean, I got to stick with what I've said all along, and and we saw it from James Coley against Georgia Tech. Get James Cook the football, you know, and it wasn't just getting him the ball this time. It was just kind of how they how they got on the ball. I mean, you don't have Kadra out there. You know, Pickens is, is sitting out the first half of this game. It, James Cook is now in a – he's got to get the ball in this SEC championship. That's that's the, where things are right now just because of what he can do. And you put him out there in the slot and you, you attack LSU's linebackers. That's what you're going to have to do. Uh, I thought that, that James Cook looked great, you know, against Georgia Tech, and he's averaging over seven yards per touch, you know, and then after the catch especially. I mean, it's over 10 yards he's getting after the catch. And other than Dominic Blaylock, I mean, that's that's as good as it gets in this Georgia team. So I think for Georgia to be able to hang with LSU and, and what they're going to plan to do, they're going to have to work the middle of the field. Because if you look at LSU's cornerbacks, I mean, Derek Stingley Jr., I mean, he is uh, he is an incredible talent. And then Christian Fulton is playing outstanding football. So outside, it's going to be tough. And I know that that's Jake Fromm's bread and butter, but those guys are allowing less than 50% completions in coverage. And, and they are breaking passes up, and they are, pick, they are picking quarterbacks off. So you don't have Pickens and Cager, then you're not going to win as many of those 50-50 battles on the outside. But, again, LSU's linebackers, that's if you're going to find a weak spot in that defense, especially in the passing game, that's it. So whether it's getting James Cook out there in the slot, but then also just getting getting the ball outside to Swift and Herrian and Dominic Blaylock, attacking those linebackers is going to give you a chance to hang – with an offense that is going to put points in the board. I don't, I don't we, No one's expecting Georgia to shut them out as strong as that defense is. But, again, I've said it earlier in the season, and when, and when, when they do it, they look pretty good doing it, and that's diversifying that run game. and That helps you sustain these drives and make high-percentage plays and keep LSU's offense off the field. That is the recipe to success for Georgia as far as that time of possession battle. And you do not want to give them extra possessions because they've shown they can be pretty efficient with them. Yeah, I like the idea of James Cook. And I, and listen, I thought one of the one of the best calls against Georgia Tech was Jake Fromm drops back. He wants to throw the quick screen to James Cook, and Georgia Tech jumps it. They are all over it. Jake Fromm throws it over uh, James. Uh, Jake Fromm throws it over James Cook's head. And then Georgia comes back to it on the other side. They run the screen and go, pump and go. George Pickens wide open behind the defense. The guy who was supposed to be covering Pickens was five yards deep in the backfield, while George Pickens was twenty-five yards downfield. You don't get more open than that. And you know, I think that was a product. And I, I still think there's so much stuff that Georgia has done with with James Cook in the motion game and things like that that it can play off of against LSU. But but my thing is this, and I mentioned this on the Dogs 24-7 Junkyard today. If I'm Georgia, um, I, I've at least got to give it a shot. Two tight ends, best blocking wide receiver, 
two backs in the game, not necessarily a fullback, but I'm talking about like James Cook, flat motion, DeAndre Swift and, and uh, Brian Harrion, cram it in there tight, get heavy personnel in there, maybe that sixth offensive lineman that we've seen sometime, and, and try to hit LSU with the body blows. Outside zone, speed sweep, uh, you know, quick throws to the perimeter, you know, James Cook in flat motion, and then you kind of work off of that. Things like that to kind of keep LSU guessing, misdirection, try to get you a couple six, seven-minute drives put together and get points on the board. And then you've done what Rusty talked about earlier, and that's you've weathered the storm in the first half. And not only have you weathered the storm in the first half, you've dealt all of those body blows that you want to deal right? You've, you've won the time of possession battle, and you've got your defense as rested as possible going into a final two quarters of football against an offense that's probably going to come alive at some point and make you face some adversity. And those are all things that I, I, I think it's kind of a no-brainer. I'm interested to see if I guess on that and get it right, because it's straight up, it's, it is a straight-up guess. But Georgia's got two very good tight ends who, who, listen, they're not super big-time playmakers. There are bigger mismatches out there, but they're reliable guys. Charlie Warner's a fantastic blocker. Eli Wolf has come a long way in that regard. You know, Brian Harrion can come in as a second back and give you a blocking presence. He can be the guy who carries it. James Cook can be a decoy and be a guy that you can get out on the perimeter. Tyler Simmons gives you an option there, too, can come in tight and kind of cut off some of the backside pursuit. There are so many options there. And, and, you know, if you pointed Kip to the to the cornerback play, Stingley and Fulton. Those guys are excellent. You know who else is great? Grant Delpit, who, who works over the middle of the field. He's a really good football player. I'm not super high on LSU's defensive line and, 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 and de- defensive line depth. And so I think that's one area where Georgia can attack. Now, we know that Georgia's had some problems when it comes to getting teams blocked up front. That's just all there is to it. Uh, they, they've, they've struggled. I think Jamari Sawyer kind of gave the, uh, the, the, the offensive line a lift a little bit at left guard. I'm really interested to see, and I'm going to be checking with everybody I can that is close to the team to kind of see what, what the thought is on how Sawyer played this, this past Saturday against Georgia Tech. But, but that's kind of the way I would look at it. And, Rusty, I kind of wanted to throw it back to you real quick. Is that an option? Do you think, you know, putting yourself in Kirby Smart shoes and James Coley shoes, do you think that, you know, hey, they might go like old school Buford high school offense a little bit, go too tight and and try to punch him in the punch him in the ribs and in the gut enough times to to uh, to take a toll on them early? I mean, you look at what Georgia does. I mean, they're they're not a quick strike offense. They're, you know, what people say, the boa constrictor. They try to suffocate you and wear you down and I don't see that changing this week. With you know, definitely without Lawrence Cager and a half without George Pickens, I just I can't see any other way to attack them. Um, you know, you talked about some short, quick timing passes, those types of things. You know, can James Cook, uh, you know, be that guy? But yeah, I just think you're going to have to put body on body, move some people. Uh, if you run the ball, and LSU has shown at times they're vulnerable to that. Uh, especially the Ole Miss game, where not only did Plumley hurt them, Jerion Ely, uh, the, the freshman running back, hurt them as well. So you know, can can Georgia, if Georgia's able to run the ball, and if I'm Kirby Smart, I'm just trying to get to halftime to to get my best pieces together with Pickens on the field. Um, 
you know, and then it frees up a little bit. But I still think that Georgia is going to try to put a body on a body. And Jamari Salyer is a very powerful young man. We all know that. They've got big bodies there uh, and, and uh, all across the board. Um, LSU, Dave Aranda is one of the best, if not the best defensive coordinator in the country. So certainly he's not going to sit there. You know, Georgia is going to be able to study that tape from last year. And, and it's been known that Dave Aranda went around to some of these coaching clinics and kind of showed what he did to Georgia to stop that running game. I mean, he used some of those examples. So that type of thing doesn't take too long to get around to different staffs. I mean, it's not an insult. I mean, he did what he did. And, you know, Georgia hadn't gashed him a, a couple of times, but uh, they really got after Georgia that day. They really got after Jake Fromm. And, you know, you take away the weather of any other game, that's probably Jake Fromm's worst game he ever played was at LSU uh, last year. So he's going to have a little bit of an idea of how Dave Aranda's going to attack him and those types of things. So I'm very interested this week, but I do think if you're Georgia, you want to be able to run the ball, obviously score some points. But you can shorten that half if you're able to move those sticks and move it on the ground. You can shorten that game uh, to get to halftime, to get to where you are. But very interested how they attack this offensively because that, that, that's going to be the key, uh, especially without a big piece of the puzzle and pickings for the first half. That, you know, listen, we're going to have all of this covered. We're going to have so much stuff as the week goes on. Uh, we're going to, I'm going to do an X's and O's feature later this week on looking ahead to Georgia LSU. Uh, we're, we're going to have, uh, you know, interviews tomorrow, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday. I mean, it's SEC championship week. We're, we're veterans at this now. We've done it. You know, this is the third year in a row. So we're going to have tons of coverage for you at dogs 24 seven. That's all we've got for this particular show though. And uh, I'm Jake Rowe from dogs 24 seven. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. This has been the Junkyard Dogcast, and you guys take it easy. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.